In one of our previous messages, we spent our time examining the passage of Scripture from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And the message was entitled, Lay Down Your Burdens. Jesus spoke these familiar words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We explore the idea of the yoke, a burden, yet also a gift, that Jesus was trying to lay upon the shoulders of his followers, one that was not complicated by rules or restrictions, rather one of grace and even protection. In our conclusion of the message, I outlined what I hoped to be practical guidance for applying this passage. We looked at five ideas. First, to come, begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Second, grow, continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Third, pause, press pause on life. Fourth, praise and pray. And fifth, remember, Jesus is gentle and lowly. Now, again, in my attempt to be transparent with you, we walk through that passage, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, and we examine those, come, learn, pause, praise, remember, and then a crazy week ensued. I kept thinking about the sermon, and finally, about midweek, I, I just needed to pause a little more. I needed to try to practice what I would preach. And for life, it had been crazy for me, and probably it has been for you as well. Now, I don't share any of that to project that to myself or to our staff that we're not available or that to continue to minister to your church family. We do. We desire to do those. I share that with you, honestly, to simply say that I'm terrible at the third point there of resting. In fact, we have a lot of people that have been traveling and a lot of different reasons, and we just completed a time called Labor Day weekend. It's a weekend. It's a three-day weekend, and it's where we celebrate a, a date on the calendar called Labor Day. It's a date that was established in the mid-1800s by the federal government. It was designed to give people who were living in the midst of the Industrial Revolution that had been working for 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And so they came up with and titled it Labor Day. But I sure wish they would have called last week, not Labor Day, but Rest Day. Maybe I would have gotten the point. Because the reality is what I ended up doing was resting for part of the day and not laboring, but the rest of the day, I completed some tasks that were on my list of things to do. Because the reality is most of us are not great at resting. Now, when I say resting, you might be decent at taking a nap or binging your favorite show for hours on end. But resting, resting described and outlined by Jesus in Scripture is much more fundamental and it is important. Resting is ceasing, trusting, relying, finding relief in our relationship to God. And not feeling as if we must work to earn our salvation, but rest in the good news of Jesus. We go back and look in Scripture 
God established the cycle of rest all the way in creation. Genesis chapter 2 tells us, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now you can be sure God wasn't tired. He wasn't weary. He didn't need to take a day of rest for him. He created a day of rest for remembrance, not for him, but for us. Because God knows our temptation is for more, to seek value in other people, to think, to search for value in things that would lead us away from rest, away from a Sabbath. And when we find ourselves pulled away from rest and the Sabbath, we find worry, anxiety, fear, and doubt because we're not in His presence. So God created the pattern of rest, and we are the needed recipients. The verb for rest in these verses is very powerful and it has several different meanings. A couple of them are rest is a cessation of creativity. Rest, to cease working. Rest. It's also interesting to me that the first six days of creation all ended the same. There was evening and there was morning the first day, the second day, the third day, but not the seventh day. There was no evening or morning mentioned. It carries with it the idea that rest doesn't cease. The gift of rest was holy, ordained, and set aside by God. This is protection. This protection of rest is also given again. Another reminder later in Scripture, but really even raised to a new level in the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 Verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, these words are part of the Ten Commandments. They're being given to God's children, the Israelite Hebrew people. Now, a quick rewind. They have been in slavery for 400 years. They work seven days a week countless hours and their goal was production at all costs. Their lives depended on it. God in this passage is reestablishing something that had been out of their rhythm and had been missing for 400 years. He wasn't simply trying to tell them, hey, it's Sunday, take a nap, watch some football and fill up the day with non-work-related busyness. In these commands are guidelines for God's children to reestablish their relationship with God, their creator, their savior. And in the middle of the do nots, he says, remember the Sabbath. Resting is a rhythm that I establish in creation 
So keep it holy, set apart. At this point in the history of God's children, they are doers. They had spent their 400 years as doers and God has established their relationship of being with him. And he does this when he tells us to rest, to put down our burdens and put them on him. Because they and us, we need a rest, a Sabbath. And thousands of years later, we need this reminder to rest because we all drift rather quickly to be defined by what we do rather than who we are and who God created us to be. Before you are defined by what you do, you are defined by who you are and who created you. Psalm 139 speaks very clearly about our creator and the beauty and intricacy, that is you. Verse 13 of that chapter. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. When we stop, and we remind ourselves to trust that God is our creator, provider, sustainer, and that our value is defined in him, it's powerful then to rest in him. Rest in the God of creation. Rest in the God that knew to make rest holy. He would have to do something. He would have to ingrain it into the rhythm of creation to remind us. Rest in the God who knows you, who loves you as you are because he puts you together exactly the way you are. Rest in God who defines you not by what you have done or have not done. Remind yourself that this God, the God of rest and relationships, comes through his ultimate gift of love, the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Rest reminds us that being comes before doing. Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and acceptable, and perfect. There, this is a power-packed passage of Scripture, familiar to many of you that are watching. Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is worship. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Give us discernment to know your will. But the reality is we've got to rewind how do we do these things? 
How do we step into being transformed? We are only able to do those things because of how verse 1 begins, because of God's mercy. It is who we are in Christ that enables us to serve, to sacrifice, to give, and be transformed. Resting in God's mercy and His grace equips transformation. It covers us. The big picture here that I want you to see is that we are a do, a work-oriented task society. And many times we're so busy with people based on our human nature because in many instances we're leaning into what we are doing to give us value what we're doing for someone else to create our identity. The scripture, Genesis, Exodus, the Psalms, the Proverbs, continue to remind us of the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ, the God who saves us. It also defines us, it delivers us, and it continues to transform us. Resting in, ceasing in, Stopping and trusting God's mercy produces spiritual transformation. But you know, as well as I do, the conflict of rest. This conflict is real. So today I want to look at some of the conflicts. What are some of the typical battles that we have? Maybe it's just me, but I don't think that's the case. What are some of the common enemies to rest? But in that conflict, in the battle of rest, it really truly reveals a lot about what we really trust, in what and in whom we really find rest. Our conflict to rest reveals who we trust and what we value. Do we really trust in the Lord of refuge? The, the psalmist says these words, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. A refuge in this passage is a place of safety, a place where you go for protection. God promises in resting in Him and His protection in His shelter will happen if we abide in Him. But how often do we trade the promises of rest and abiding in the God of protection and we exchange them for a whole list of things? I'll just give us a few. At times we trade them for possessions. Do we rest and trust in our possessions? Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. That is so powerful and true. Let me make this scripture hopefully more applicable to your daily life. I remember when I bought my car three years ago. I was so happy. I was so proud. It was shiny and it was new. We haven't done that in many years as a family. But at the end of the day, when the bumper gets scratched and nicked up by somebody in a parking lot that doesn't tell me and a scratch is on the hood and the, the tires have to be replaced, guess what? The proverb's true. As soon as my eyes light up on that possession, 
It's gone. It flies away. It no longer appeals to us. And some possessions may gleam a little longer or shine a little stronger, but one day I'm going to see another car that is going to be a newer version. And the light that was in my eye towards my car is now going to be gone. And if our rest and our trust abound and are bound by those possessions, when they're gone or no longer please us, then it's on to the next car. Confession time. I recently joined a club. I didn't know I was joining a club, but I I got a new flat griddle and I have been cooking some great meals, some hibachi chicken, Philly cheesesteaks, breakfast, some burgers, and it's been so good. But I didn't know that I needed this grill three years ago. Three years ago, I needed a smoker. And three years from now, well, I'm going to want something new. Right now, I love my grill. It, it brings a highlight to my eyes when I see it. I'm excited. But it won't stay that long, stay that way for long. I know you're thinking, Pastor, you're not resting or taking comfort in your grill. No, but when I add my quest for more possessions, of which it is one, I trade rest for the doing and the gaining. What else do we put our trust in other than resting in the Lord? Envy in comparison. They're enemies of rest. Do we place our trust in comparison? Out of Ecclesiastes, three verses here, then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. In this verse, in verse 4, we trade, it said, our rest for work and our pursuit of keeping up with what others have. But in the end, it's like chasing the wind and it produces exhaustion. Verse 7 and 8, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there's no end to all of his toil and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. The danger of we see in these verses, in verse 7 and 8, is that we trade rest for work, and in doing so, we wake up one day, like the writer, and we say, well, I don't even have anyone to enjoy the possessions with. Because the danger of envy, the conflict of comparison, it keeps us busy, it keeps us striving, it keeps us working and pursuing, and in doing so, drowning out the calling of God to say, rest. Rest in me. I created you. I know you. I can fulfill you. I provided mercy for you. Don't spend your days searching and trying to measure up to other people or to things that won't bring you excitement in your eye tomorrow. Rest in me. Trust me. But for me, one of the greatest conflicts in rest is this. Our conflict to rest reveals what we really think about ourselves. At the end of my day and at the end of yours, There will be work or ministry left undone for every single one of us, every day. 
Now don't think because I'm preaching on rest presents me as being excluded from the struggle of rest. This one is a massive struggle for me. Because the question that really haunts me behind that idea of where do I find my value, my trust, is this. If I don't do it, who will? Who will coach the team? If I don't perform this task at home, who will do it? This was a real struggle for me several weeks ago. It really even changed the rhythm of what you were receiving in your content at home. Our routine is that we carve out part of the week, later part of the week where we film and we put this out for you. And so for 18 months, we've had this rhythm. But about a week and a half ago, there were just so many things piled up on my plate and for the week and reached out to our crew and said, it's just not going to happen. We made the decision. We made the decision, as you experienced, to repost a video that was shot earlier in 2020. And although I knew it was the right call for us last week, in the back of my mind, the enemy started dropping lie after lie. Like this, someone, you know, if you're re-showing the video, someone's, gonna, someone's not going to be happy about that. Someone's not going to like the old message or the number of views is going to go down. Someone is going to think, well, what else were you doing last week? Why didn't you do your job? Now, your responsibility and questions may not be preaching. But there is something, there's a task, there's a meeting. And if we're not careful, we will allow something that is good to prevent us from what is best. And in the end, we have to realize that whatever we do, however we act and serve, it is the movement of God that will change the lives and hearts of people, not us. Only God has his own universe. And when I step in and try to be God, I'm very bad at it. I quickly stress, I worry, I fear, I rise early, I go to bed late. And Scripture remind us, unless the Lord is in it, it's in vain. Again, Scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep, rest. In fact, the New Testament, Paul even goes on to warn us, to give us this guidance. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. God's grace saves us. God's grace does the work. God does the work. It is a gift of God. It's not a result of our busyness because we are boastful people and we would love to grab a hold of some of the praise and recognition. Yet when we rest in the grace of God, we have a greater view of the movement of God. It's not us moving working at all unless we labor in vain. 
but one final recognition, one major opposition to rest is that our conflict to rest will be filled by false objects of worship. I like to call those idols when I was in student ministry, little G gods. They're not gods at all, but there are times that there are things that creep into our times of rest. When we, when we finally unplug, when you open up your Bible, when you go on a walk, when you pray and you ask God, would you restore me? Here's a test. Here's a test to discover what those little G gods are in your life. They're not gods at all. Rather, idols that begin to influence and direct your life. So how do we evaluate the false objects, the idols of worship that steal our rest? I challenge you, sit down in a quiet place, read through a psalm, a proverb. Spiritually, just get prepared for the moment. What are the things that interrupt your time? A phone? A ding? A reminder? A notification? And it becomes then something you have to read. Then it turns into a story that you've got to read. And then 20 minutes later, your allotted time to rest is gone. Another form of entertainment, television, print media. Or for some of us, the list of the undones. As you quiet yourself, you begin to craft the what's next list. When I'm finished with this time of rest, I will call, I will do, I will remind her, I will write down the list. No matter how hard you work, no matter how many hours, you will never finish the work the world throws at you. Every distraction known to mankind, your alarm that you forgot to turn off, something drastic will sidetrack us for days. But the small things, they take us away from rest for the moment. Another distraction that the enemy throws at us in the moments of rest is guilt. Guilt. The enemy, the father of lies, will throw everything at you. Guilt. Well, you know that. He'll say things like this. Well, you know that person can't take that much time to rest. Why should you have time to rest? Or he'll even say something as bold as, you don't even know what you're doing. Rest? So what's keeping you from rest? Do you trust yourself more than God? I know no one wants to raise their hand on that one, but it's an answer revealed by our time and our ability or our inability to rest. What's stealing your time of rest? Are you consumed with the hunger for more, the possessions? Is your need to rest, to be, Is it being sabotaged by your doing? Do you have a rhythm of rest? When we neglect rest, we reject one of the most fundamental gifts from God, our shepherd. In a familiar Psalm, verse 20, chapter 23, let me read these three verses in closing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He restores. He leads. 
It's a gift from God. As you continue to examine the conflicts, the barriers, the interruptions to rest, I pray that you would find your rest in your identity and His mercy in Him. And we would move away from our identity, our work, and realize that freedom comes when we realize God has given us the holy gift of rest. Do you trust yourself more than God? Are you consumed with a hunger for more? Is your need to be sabotaged by your doing? Do you have rhythms of rest? Let's pray together. God, thank you for our time together this week online. Thank you for those that maybe at the end of this, they can just stop immediately and pause and say, God, how can I rest? I'm watching in my home or I'm in my workplace. I'm just going to stop right now and, and look at the days ahead and say, how can I rest? When can I rest? How do I make this a rhythm? And may we all examine, where do I find my value? Where do I put my trust? What do I think of myself that I can't pause? That I think everything revolves around me. Help us to see that is not the truth. And it is stealing rest and the rhythm of rest that we desperately need. In Jesus' name.